are creeping closer to an NHL season, whatever that's going to look like. But uh, first thing is first here, Nick. Uh, how are you feeling? The 10-3 and Buffalo Bills, a big win on the, uh, the Sunday nighter. Uh, lots of excitement in Bills Nation right now. Yeah, well, 10-3, and three, you know, on track to possibly win the division for the first time in a very, very long time. The the Patriots' reign officially came to an end, I think. The, there's no way they can still win the division this year, which is very enjoyable to say. Um, I, the game last night, I think, really showed what... Uh, that the Bills are legit, and I, I think the Steelers are frauds. Um, <laughs> uh, no, the Bills, their offense has been carrying them for most of the year. Like uh, for a team that had such a wicked defense last year, and that was supposed to be their calling card. It's nice to see that starting to come together uh, in combination with the with the offense, and uh, they're looking like a really dangerous team right now. Lots of fun. You're burying the lead a little bit here, Cam, because the most important thing that came out of Sunday was. 24 for 33, 267 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Mitchell Trubisky is back. He he is he Mitchell not Deshaun Watson Trubisky is going to make the end of the season worth watching for the Chicago Bears. That's my hot take. Yeah, that was my next question. Are you excited for another year of Trubisky next year and a 16th overall pick to go with? <laughs> Yeah. See, don't you almost wish that he he wouldn't have had that game, and you guys could just move on, move on. And now, now if he does, if, now what's going to be worse is if he has a crazy week seventeen against the the Packers, and then it'll be a whole off season of of quarterback controversy. But fuck, uh, I feel like I'm watching the 2007 Leafs. Yeah. it's just <laughs> you, you just know they're getting as close as they can to the playoffs without quite getting there, and yeah. it's going to be a terrible pick. And uh, yeah, clean house. But, uh, you know, the NFL season's winding down. We're into December, uh, which means two things. Uh, World Juniors are around the corner, and the man with the big beard will soon be here. <laughs> Joe Thornton has left his uh, Swiss League club to travel to Toronto in preparation for training camp. Um, I mean, it's just around the corner. It, I know we're all getting excited, and I know I'm not really expecting to see a four-goal game out of Thornton this year, but <laughs> I, I really just want to see him get, like, two in the first. Just two in the first or, like... <laughs> yeah. Put the threat out there. Hey? Exactly. Just to get the buzz, that'll that'll be enough, I think. I, I, the the four-goal <laughs> game, I, I don't think those days are, are here anymore, but... Um, it, 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 it would be enough for me. Um, how are we feeling about the Thornton news? Oh, it just means that we're close, right? It just means that hockey's actually at arm's length right now. And, and I think that there's a lot to, of, to be excited about, about the upcoming season, but just we've touched on this before and it's, we're repeating ourselves, but it's because we have nothing else to talk about, but it's, it's exciting to fucking think of, uh, you know, little things like Joe Thornton doing an interview, you know, in between periods in a Leafs jersey. Cause he's, you know, He's a ton of character. He's going to be an interesting guy to follow. And it doesn't matter if he's mega productive or not. He's just going to be a fun character to have as a part of the viewing experience of being a Leafs fan this year, apart from all the other exciting things that are, you know, coming, which I don't know, like Austin Matthews scoring 50 goals in 56 games or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and to your point about, you know, Thornton and the production and stuff like the Swiss League is not the NHL, but uh, he put up 11 points He's, in 12 yeah, games exactly. with Davos. He, it, like it's definitely not uh, on the same level as what he's going to be seeing when he gets back to North America here. But 
that's still a professional hockey league, still playing against, you know, other good players. And he was still productive. So we don't need him to be a point of game player in Toronto either. So, And I bet you he wasn't busting his ass in that league either. I bet he was out for a skate quite a bit too. So like he's... Yeah, he's tuning up, right? Yeah, so exactly. The, the whole reason he's over there is to, to be preparing for this NHL season. So I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he, he puts up like a 35 point clip, like not 35 points in 56 games, but like prorated 82 game pace. Like, I don't yeah. think that's crazy on a team with this much offense. No, I don't think that's crazy either, especially considering I think uh, he's, he's definitely going to be playing on the second power play unit. If he's not on the first one at times, uh, I think which could really inflate it if there's like an injury or two and he gets on the first power play. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's also, probably going to be occasions during games and maybe even for you know longer stretches of the season where we might see Thornton playing on the left side with one of the top two lines you know just where he doesn't have to be the guy that's going to to get all the pucks and transition them up the ice and through the neutral zone he can just you know distribute. distribute in the offensive zone yeah. to to the the offensive uh, talent that the Leafs have in that top six group and uh you know, I think there's definitely a way that uh, Thornton puts up some points this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you talk about with Thornton obviously playing over in, in the Swiss League, even if he's only, you know, um, like you said, going for a skate, Keith. Uh, I, I think that the important thing is he's already kind of had his training camp. It's not like you're going to worry about getting him in here and he hasn't been on the ice uh, for, for so long, right? Especially with, uh, for him, he hasn't, it wouldn't have played since March uh, previous to that, right? Yeah, so, it's a long time for a 41-year-old. Yeah, so it, it's just kind of keep, keeping the joints loose at that point, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, camp just around the corner. Another guy who's going to be there is Nick Robertson, as we heard the, the news that uh, he's skipping the World Juniors with Team USA to uh, be at Leafs camp for the duration, which it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I mean, it, it's it's been talked about a lot in the last week or so, but I, I wasn't shocked by this news. Um, you know, he, he seems like like a pro's pro, even at even at his age. He's already been to World Juniors and NHL is his goal. Um and you know this isn't this isn't a team anymore where uh, you know they're they're just gonna say yeah yeah swing by when you're done with the juniors right like maybe like four or five years ago like if if Marner or Nylander were off at juniors in this kind of situation and you know you come back and you're not expecting to compete like this team's trying to win a cup so if you want to get a spot on the team it makes a lot of sense that you know you you you're there from uh, the first puck drop at camp right yeah I mean I think. Like you said, it doesn't. It's not surprising, but it is different just based on the history of the Leafs. Like normally, we're not in a position that we're you know because they're they're looking at this as less about he's not a player that you're trying to develop right now or anything like that. If he's ready to play, then he's ready to play on the team. Like it, it if he could very much be in the running for a top nine spot, if not even a top six, if he comes flying out of the gate and takes the Mikheyev spot. So I no, I made it makes total sense. It was just funny the way I, I tweeted about this, the way that the way that Bob teased it a little <laughs> bit. I, he he could have put that all into one tweet, but just interesting <laughs> development coming that Nick Robertson won't be going to. The, it was like he, he knew he was going to get a, like a couple of rises out of a few people. He could have probably worded that in a bit more of a straightforward way than having the like what does it mean thing happen for <laughs> for, for like. For like a minute and a half before he finished his tweet. Yeah, what was that that tweet someone said about 
him sitting there with a margarita straw in his hand and a, pulling the pin out of a grenade Just or something. Pulling the pin out of a grenade, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so like even about his development, of course, the, there is that concern about him not being at the World Juniors, but he's also still developing in Leafs camp and being around those players and competing for that spot, right? Like that's the next stage in his development is becoming an NHL player. It's not becoming a world junior star. He was one of the best players for his team at that tournament last year. Um, He's got his sights very firmly set on an NHL job. And I think it's, it's pretty obvious that the Leafs believe he's got as good a shot as anybody to, to win a spot up front. Even if it's not a full-time spot, he's going to be a guy who's playing, he's going to play games as a rotational player. I don't think that there's any plans of sending him back to the OHL if there's no contact or anything like that. And it remains to be seen what kind of exemptions might be made for players going to the American Hockey League who otherwise wouldn't have been eligible in a normal year. But I think it just comes down to the fact that the the Leafs do, they're going to give him every opportunity to make the team just as they did back in July. And I don't think it's just lip service and it wasn't back then either. He worked his way up through uh, that camp. He started out as an extra forward and, and gained more reps in the top 12 forward group as time went on, ended up starting the series and playing most of the series against Columbus as a third line winger. So and, and those were super extenuating circumstances. I know it's it's hard to take a lot from just four games anyway, never mind four games in the middle of a pandemic when a kid hasn't played hockey in a couple of months and he's playing his first NHL games. I think the time since then, and it's been widely reported about him staying in Toronto since last May and all through that return to play and since, in preparation for this, he's got his sights set on an NHL job, bottom line, and I think that the Leafs are once again going to give him every chance to to win it. Honestly, thank fuck he's not at that tournament because it sounds like a disaster. Um, I mean, I, I, I just, like, why are we do, doing this? Like, I understand with the pro leagues, there's money yeah. to be made. There's money, you know, in it for the players. In this case, it's just money to be made. And like they, they keep pointing at, you know, we're, we're kind of doing the bubble like the NHL, but they're not. They, they don't have the resources. They're piling three teams onto one plane and sending them over. Uh, like, how is that even allowed under these circumstances? Like who gave the green light to flying a team in from Russia and a team in from Sweden and a team in from Finland to all meet up at one airport to get on a connecting flight together to come over to Canada for this tournament. Especially with everyone testing positive on each of these individual teams before this. Uh, they're in a four-day quarantine period right now. Yeah. Sweden lost their entire coaching staff or something. Like, Yeah, it's not like a bunch of clean, like... There's, you know, like everything's been great so far and we're going to put them together because everybody's tested and quarantined. Like, no, there's like cases everywhere. And now you cram them, cram them into a plane that's at capacity. They're in a four day quarantine right now. Um, So by the time I get this edited and put out, this whole thing might have fallen apart. But let's spend the next like 20 minutes talking World Juniors anyway. Um, (laughs) So obviously the Leafs have some uh, representation in Edmonton. Uh, Six prospects. I love how neat this is this year three on russia three on finland i can watch those two i can watch canada that is nice and neat rather than having like one guy here one guy there it's perfect yeah i kind of like that too yeah and also having to watch one like watch a game for one specific player you know you're waiting for that one shift every time through the the rotation at least if there's a you know three guys on each team i I guess in the case of russia one of them is going to be the backup goalie but nonetheless you know 
Amirov and Abramov will probably be on separate lines, so you'll get to to watch for them and if they end up on the same line all the better yeah and they're both expected to kind of have top six roles right Nick? yeah i'd say amirov especially like at the karyala cup where he, he was named best forward of the tournament and russia sent a team made up of uh, players that were under 20 so it was almost like their world junior roster is very similar to the, the one that they sent there with a few exceptions such as abramov and whatnot and at that tournament uh, amirov was you know, almost Mr. Everything for Russia. He was a, a, a top line forward. He played on their number one power play and he killed penalties, scored a goal in each game. I don't see his role diminishing f- for this tournament. I, I think he's got a chance to be one of like the uh, the real stars of the tournament as a whole, not just for the, the Russian team. And Abramov, for his part, he'll probably be... Uh, I think he's probably got the inside track on uh, second line center, but he's also got versatility. He might end up on the wing. And uh, I I think there's not going to be really any concrete lines for a lot of these teams in a short tournament. They'll be shuffling around. So I'd say Abramov is probably pretty firmly in, in Russia's top nine. And then we've got uh, the the kids over in Finland too. Uh, The two guys that we got from trading down from 44 with Ottawa, to get uh, Hervinen and Nimala at 59 and 64, I believe it was. So both of those guys are going to be playing for Finland over there as well. It's pretty cool. I think uh, each of the Leafs' first four picks in in this past draft made their World Junior squad in Amirov, Hervinen, Nimala, and then Oktyamov, who's going to be the, the backup goalie for Russia. He probably doesn't see much playing time. I think he'll be lucky to get a game unless uh, Askarov gets hurt. Um, but yeah, back to the Finnish guys. Uh, I think Nemo is probably going to play top four, if not on the number one pairing for Finland. Like he was, he was playing in a men's league at 17 years old last year in Finland. So it, they've got a lot of trust in him. And then we've got uh, the other Finn on the blue line uh, that wasn't drafted this year be Miko Kokonen, our third rounder from uh, the 2019 draft. He played on the Finnish squad last year, so he's going to be relied upon as part of their leadership group. He'll probably be wearing a letter for them, and uh, he'll be employed in a shutdown role for them again. So, yeah, lots to look forward to for Leafs fans at the upcoming World Juniors. It's a great timing, too, because I – I'm obviously starved for hockey right now, so I'm, I'm excited to watch the World Juniors, but I, I haven't been as invested in the World Juniors in the last five or six years, which coincides with the Leafs like being good, um, because I think like most Leafs fans, it was nice to have that little shot of cheering for a team that <laughs> might win, um, and and... Yeah, like I, I just I haven't really found myself being as excited for that Boxing Day World Juniors uh, lately. But this one will be different. I'm, I'm really fired up, like you said, to have the the ability to watch Russia, Finland, and then Canada as well. But I'm I'm really excited to see Hervinen. Just he's a guy that I've been seeing quite a bit of praise pop up on Twitter and I think Nick you've alluded to it a few times about him being a player and I've seen some some good clips. So and again, you're looking at him playing in a, in a league of men as, as a five foot nine, 18 year old. I'm excited to see him with in his age group. And then obviously, um, you know, the rest, the rest of the, the kind of class that you just mentioned, but it just works out to be good timing that they have such a good representation of the world juniors when I'm dying to watch a hockey. Game. One more point on, on the world juniors. I think, you know, there, there was a lot of, uh, 
let's say skepticism from some fans about the selection of Rodion Amirov at 15th overall. I think that I feel like he's going to turn. Some yeah, heads, eh? I, I think a lot of people who yeah. didn't like that pick for one reason or another at the time that it was made are probably going to have their their opinions changed if they watch him in this tournament. Yeah, I, I'm most excited generally. You know, same same boat, Keith. Like I, I'm just not as invested the last few years because I kind of came around to the point where I'm, I'm looking for the Leafs prospects rather than kind of going you know nuts cheering for Canada like I used to when I was like high school aged or, or in college, right? Um, but it's still, you know, like you say right now, it's, it's especially because there's no other hockey on and last few years, I I would be more inclined to just watch like a, you know, a Thursday night Leafs game than to tune into the world juniors if, if it was going on. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I definitely wasn't watching like a Finland, Sweden first round, you know, round Robin matchup at all, let alone like, you know, any kind of I probably would watch the finals I think is probably the most I've done over the last few yeah. years and this year you've got kind of the added thing with with COVID too right like like I said off the top you know like this I don't think that this tournament should be happening but I'm still going to tune in but it's also kind of at the same time well it's the same as the return to play last summer I don't think any of us thought it was a good idea for the league to be starting back up but I get they kind of they definitely did prove everyone wrong with how successful that went off without a hitch and everything like that. Sure. But you know, it was the same thing. No one thought it was a good idea, but we were all excited about it. Totally. But like, but this is the, like I said with, you know, the, the money thing, like these are kids and, and the thing that that terrifies me, like, I don't know if you guys saw this story over the weekend, but on Saturday, uh, Florida, Florida state game, uh, basketball, college basketball, uh, young guy by the name of Keontae Johnson. He, um, fell unconscious coming out of a timeout. Um, they had him in a, in a coma. Um, the, the team had a COVID outbreak go through uh, last month. They had to shut down the program for a bit. He was apparently one of the uh, players to test positive. And like, it's just, it, it's that we're fucking around with like the lung capacities and hearts of, of these guys. Like, I, it's not like we think that, you know, someone's going to get sick and die of COVID during world juniors. It's like, are we screwing some of these kids for, or, you know the the future prospects of actually making it to the big leagues because um, you know we're, we're packing them into a fucking plane like like a can of sardines and you know eighty percent of the team's getting COVID and of that percentage we don't know like the long term effects exactly yet, really of, of just, yeah I was gonna say there's people still don't know what 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 it's like you know years later after uh, you get yeah better from well back to the Buffalo Bills for a quick second they actually have uh, a reserve tight end who's ended up on the injured reserve for the rest of the year but he tested positive for COVID earlier in the season he's since you know gotten over that but he's now dealing with uh, a lung issue as a result of COVID that is keeping him on the injured reserve list so there's a lot of things that we still don't know about like the long-term effects of of having the disease and, and what it could mean for the future of some of these guys. Yeah, and and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez with the Red Sox as well. Like he, he developed a heart condition from it. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's what kind of damage are you doing? And, and that's kind of always just going to be in the back of my brain while I'm watching these, these, uh, these games. And 
Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the whole thing could, again, just fall apart at any point because it's such a short tournament and, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to rip through a team if, if, you know, they don't get through this quarantine period safely, right? Like we, we saw how many t- positive tests they had just in the run up. So, um, yeah, well, it, it, things have been dicey just in the in the last few days. Because, I didn't think there was I no, didn't think it was going to happen. No, when, when all the tests uh, started coming back on the Swedish yeah, roster and in. them losing all their coaches and a number of players. Players, and then the U.S. had to also replace a, a few guys on their preliminary roster. It, it definitely wasn't looking good just a few days ago, and yeah, th- that this could all go to hell any at any moment yeah. in in these days. Yeah, so we'll uh, we, we'll be watching either way. You know, it's we're starved for hockey, but um, you know, it's it's a weird time right now, it right? It, yeah, it does. It's yeah. it's um, morally complicated we'll 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 call it that um but team canada obviously you know that's that's what a lot of people are going to be watching and cheering for and um obviously no leafs on team canada but a number of returnees looks like a pretty solid squad um nick you know you want to mention as well that you just joined um, while we're talking about all this uh world junior stuff uh you've been with dauber prospects for a little bit now and you just joined their uh draft scouting team as well so congrats on that that's pretty pretty cool thanks man yeah no i'm pretty excited about it i've uh I've always kind of wanted to get more into the scouting world, and I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to uh, join the the Dauber Prospects website a few months ago and start covering the the Red Wings prospect system. And recently, there was uh, an opening on their draft scouting team um, because one of the guys on the team got hired by the Carolina Hurricanes, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to be asked to to join that group of uh, fine people that have been scouting the draft eligibles the last couple of years. I'm really excited about it. Uh, a great group of people to learn from. And uh, I've definitely got a lot to learn. And uh, I, I think that I'm with the right group of people to, uh, to get better at talent evaluation. And so, so when Nick, when you, when you end up with a job in pro hockey, <laughs> I'm starting a, I'm starting a burner account. a la Mike Litteris <laughs> and I'm going to start and you can start feeding me information and I'm going to, I'm gonna be the next in. I'm gonna be the next Eklund. <laughs> yeah, well, don't hold your breath, bud. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's put you to the test, Nick. Uh, who are we looking for here on, on Team Canada? Is there someone you think could kind of be, um, you know, maybe a name that's a little off the radar, maybe because you know, like I said, there are some returnees or some high draft picks, but uh, uh, who you got your eye on? Well, it's it's hard for almost anyone on the Canadian roster to be under the radar because of like the focus that is put on these kids in this country, especially. Especially like, I think it's pretty well known that Canada, not that the tournament isn't big everywhere, but you know, Canada puts a really large emphasis on this tournament. It's part of, it's ingrained in our society and our culture. So none of these kids are really under the radar. Um, one guy who maybe wasn't like a, you know, a top 10 draft pick, a guy who, who was just drafted this year that I really like, uh, Dylan Holloway. He, he was actually picked right before the Leafs got Amirov. I think, the, yeah, the Oilers took him 14th overall. Um, he was one of the guys that I, I was kind of looking forward to at 15, along with Amirov and maybe Seth Jarvis. Once Jarvis was gone to Carolina, I was I was on the Holloway or Amirov train for sure. But uh, I, every year it seems like Canada has one of those guys who is, is sort of like an energy guy. He just – he. 
looks like he's on a different level. He's just, you know, playing a hundred miles an hour all the time, but he's just like such a mature player for this tournament. He he's, he's physically developed. He's been playing. This is his second season of NCAA hockey. So he's been playing against some older players. He plays a really responsible game. He's versatile, can play on the wing or down the middle. He'll probably be on the wing at this tournament. Um, but he, he's got like some of that physical edge and he's also got the offensive skill to be a momentum kind of player for this team. And I think, you know, looking back even at guys like Steve Downey or something, not to say that Dylan Holloway is going to be anything like Steve Downey, but just that, you know, that role on the team where the, they're kind of like the the driver when they're out there. And uh, Nick, this club pretty strong on the blue line as well. A lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of pedigree uh, back there. Yeah. Well, two of their most important returning players are going to be Bowen Byram and Jamie Drysdale. Uh, Drysdale played last year as a draft eligible uh, and played a big role on the team then as well. Um, I I think they're probably the top pair. Then you've got Thomas Harley behind them and you got Braden Schneider, who was just drafted by the Rangers this year. I know a lot of Leafs fans were hopeful for him at 15th overall. I think he's probably going to be a big part of their blue line, some physicality on the back end, a guy who can still move the puck even as a defensive presence. But I think the the defense is definitely going to be carried by Byram and Drysdale. Um, they'll probably both play power play as well, like on the separate units. Um, Byram is probably one of the top prospects that's not in the NHL yet. I know that the, the Canadian team does have uh, a couple of guys who are going to be heading to NHL teams when this is over in Kirby Dock and probably Quinton Byfield too. I, I can't see why he wouldn't be on the LA roster to start the year. But the, yeah, the defense is going to be uh, Canada's strong point. I think uh, you've you've got a little more inside knowledge on a couple of these uh, these Canadian blue liners here, the Atlantic Canadians. Yeah, it, we do have to mention again as the official podcast uh, of uh, Atlantic Canadian Leafs fans. Uh, for Atlantic Canadians on the World Junior roster, not something we see a whole lot. Like usually, we'll get one or two, and we're happy with that. But um, we got uh, two Newfoundlanders in uh, Dawson Mercer and Alex Newhook. Uh, Mercer's returning. And you also have um, two guys on the blue line who I've seen a little bit. Like I mentioned, I think, on a past episode, I uh, called a couple of seasons of uh, Moosehead's uh, color commentary and uh, did a little bit of scouting, too, for, for hockey prospects. So I'll, I'll flex my muscles here a little, Nick, if you don't mind. Have at her, um, but Justin Barron, obviously being the guy I saw the most of um, his rookie season, and then his second year as well, which was you know marred by that blood clot situation. But I really like this guy. He's a really really strong skater. He's not um, you know a super speedster or anything like that, but just a, a really really good stride. Um, you know, pretty good size, right shot defenseman, and just steady. Um, you know, he he can move the puck. Up up the ice he doesn't take a, a ton of chances with it although it looks like you know he's he's added a little bit more of that into his game as he's kind of uh developed but he's just always been a really steady uh defender um great transitional player too like i said can move the puck up the ice can defend the rush um just a, a great skater and and a guy i think is a, a, a sure shot to to be an nhl or in some capacity with colorado he was drafted um this past year and uh, the other guy, I don't know how much time he's going to get. Uh, he's probably going to be like the number seven, number eight guy. But Jordan Spence um, is 
someone who has a really interesting path. Um, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about his origin. I, I, I all I know is that he played uh, junior A in PEI. Um, you know, in what would have been his rookie year in the queue if he were drafted when he could have been, um, but he wasn't. He was passed over. He played junior A for a season and then made the jump after tearing up that league. Um, he was. Uh, chosen into the Quebec League by Moncton, then drafted that season after his uh, rookie year in the queue by Los Angeles in the fourth round. And uh, not a very big guy. I think he's listed at 5'10". Um, may even be generous, but really, really speedy and a really I'd say smart. That's a little generous. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like he wasn't listed five ten. Um, the season that I saw him, his rookie year, I feel like he was five nine at, at max on the on the sheet. But um, he is a real speedy player, uh, smart as well. You know, he he can really uh, move the puck. Um, you know, uh, like I say, not a guy I saw a whole lot of. Um, got to see a few of those uh, games where Moncton came to town but uh, came away really impressed and really stunned that like you know he he didn't stand out enough the previous year to have gotten drafted into the queue because he was so impressive as a rookie and uh, you know it's quite a path even if he doesn't get much uh, ice time with this club just to make the Canadian junior team after you know being a guy who was passed over first time in the the CHL and then uh, playing junior A uh, instead pretty impressive stuff so those are a couple of guys that I'll be keeping an eye on uh, for Team Canada. So uh, again, World Juniors kicking off, assuming that uh, everything hasn't been scrapped uh, by the time we get this episode out, uh, if that quarantine goes well. Um, want to move on to talk about uh, something that's, you know, been kind of buzzing around for a while now and we've been debating whether to talk about it and now it looks like it's it's official there's going to be a canadian division it was not official we decided to wait for everybody else to talk about it first (laughs) yeah Yeah. to steal the best takes um but (laughs) you know we we kind of uh workshopped this one for a previous podcast and we realized that we all have the leafs at number one shockingly in a canadian division and and we'll have plenty more time to talk about why we think the leafs are the best team in the proposed canadian division as we go on. absolutely um but for now um you know i I, we're going to be talking so much canadian uh, division all season obviously it's it's you know the only games we're going to have it's going to be craziness very excited for it um and curious who you guys think um is going to be the biggest test you know working from the uh the knowledge that we all believe the Leafs are the team to beat who is going to provide that that big test uh to them keith what are your thoughts uh i mean i feel like it's pretty like there's three or four teams that kind of all bunch together after the leafs um but it's kind of hard to bet against like mcdavid um so i mean i think edmonton has to be in that conversation um i'm i'm pretty big on the flames too i know they lost brody and hamannick but adding markstrom um i can see more bounce back kind of out of out of the uh the out of Goodrow out of Monaghan um I I feel like they could be a team that could be sneaky good um and then also the Jets I know I was probably only supposed to say one team but all of those teams kind of lump like lump together for me I, I I mean the Jets obviously like you have the reigning Vesna champion and you're you have the reigning Vesna winner and you have 
Um, I got another guy like Lina, who's a complete wild card that could just come out like a house on fire and shoot the lights out. So 56 game season, if we get that, it's, it's hard to kind of find a clear cut after the Leafs, but I would the, the order I said them in there probably Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver would be how I'd put it. So I I've got some concerns about how good Montreal might be. I, I think they're a really deep team. I do like some of the things that Bergevin did this off season. I don't really love how much money they're spending on goaltending, but I guess if it's going to mean a, a more well rested Carey Price, if and when the, they get to the playoffs, then it's probably a worthwhile investment for them. I. Like I said, I think they're really deep up front. Uh, still have questions about maybe the finishing talent, and that was their biggest problem last year. Like if you look at some of their underlying numbers, I, I think they were they did well as far as like expected goals and shot share and stuff like that last year. But Just couldn't finish. Yeah, they, they lacked the finishing talent. So I mean, a guy like Tyler Toffoli will help in that regard. Um, if Josh Anderson can come back and be something closer to what he was a couple of years ago before you know the the big injuries uh, got to him uh, then he's going to be a force to be reckoned with and we are all going to hate him very much when we're watching the Leafs play the Habs Um, but yeah you you hit the nail on the head I think it's pretty wide open uh, after the Leafs even with the Leafs I think in such a short schedule and such a strange year that we're in for there anything could happen and and the the degree of separation between these teams i don't think is really great like ottawa notwithstanding um but yeah for me i I think the team number two is montreal that i'm most concerned about as for me i think that the ottawa senators really could pose a problem uh (laughs) no you guys talked about all the other ones so i don't i maybe i'll just talk like i i i I don't really know. I feel like, like you said, Keith, Edmonton. No, you, Vancouver's all yours, yeah, Cam. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I was, I'm going to talk Vancouver because I think they're interesting. I feel like they are getting a little bit of short shrift at times, especially considering the playoff success they had. I think that Edmonton's the the favorite for me because of the, the talent at the top of the lineup. And even though you know they've got their depth issues and they've got their other issues that have compounded and compounded over the years um I, I still think that you know the oilers could outscore those problems and you know along that similar vein i i, I think that the canucks are uh, not you know necessarily the the big challenger but i think they're kind of a wild card i, I didn't care for their off season i know most most didn't um but they've got yeah, the but talent. I, I know that like i know that they're talking about how letting letting go markstrom and and Benny, but i think bringing Holpe in to yeah. kind of have with with Demko that's that was good I, 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 like that. I like that too I think that their goaltending tandem is really solid and I, I like Holtby I, I think that that was a really solid move on their part he's got to have a bounce back though because he's had a rough couple of seasons I think it's it's so just more if, the if money he, if, that they've got tied up in the bottom of their lineup um, and that's the biggest problem for Vancouver and, and to me but again like with Edmonton where you know you've got that talent at the top of the lineup it's not comparable but Vancouver has those pieces right like they have some of those pieces that you desperately need to get, as we saw with the Leafs years ago, once they got Matthews in place, Marin or Nylander, like 
Vancouver, they've got depth issues galore, but they have those key, key guys yeah. already. And it's all about, how good are Patterson and Quinn Hughes going to be this year? And, and how are, yeah, how are the guys going to fit around them? And what's that playoff experience going to do, right? Like, you know, you could, you could argue that maybe that wasn't a, uh, it was a fluke run or, or whatever, but, you know, those young guys still got that experience. They're not going to ignore it or forget it just because maybe people didn't think that they deserved to go as deep as they yeah. did, right? It's still okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that- the, the biggest thing is probably going to come down to what Thatcher Demko is this season for them. Yeah, that's that's for sure going to be a big part of it. And I mean, can you know the uh, the depth pieces kind of uh, contribute enough, right? Because like th- there are some nasty, ugly contracts at the bottom of that forward group. So, um, but it's that's got to be so frustrating for Canucks fans because. I know, like even as a as a fan of the team, you you often your immediate reaction is to feel good about a new player, or or try to defend a signing. But like a lot of those contracts were indefensible on day one, like the Jay Beagle yeah. one. Oof. Absolutely, yeah. And, and it's not just the the depth, you, you, Cam. Like, there's how much money is Louis Erickson still making? Six and, mil. Yeah, I, it feels like he's been an anchor for them forever. And I don't see it getting any better this season. Yeah, no, it's, um, that's it. Like it's, they have some of the real stars, some of the real marquee guys, but um, it's about how everything's going to fit in around them. So, you know, I don't think that they're certainly a favorite to finish even top three in the Canadian division, but um, they've got those pieces that, you know, maybe they put it together and, and, and surprise and outscore some issues. Um, so uh, NHL just about uh, geared up, but uh, we had some exciting news from the NWHL as well just after we recorded our last episode, which is like three weeks ago now. But um, it's a little bit old news, but we wanted to talk about the uh, NWHL bubble, which is set to go in late January uh, to start. Um, they are going to kick off January 23rd. It's a pretty simple setup, uh, just two weeks and it'll be over. Uh, five games for each of the six teams. So a, a simple round robin. Um, each team faces off against each other and then they will uh, play down to get into the Isabel Cup semifinals. It's all going down in Lake Placid, New York at the site of the uh, Miracle on Ice 40 years later. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, it kind of would have been cool. Like it was looking for a little bit there. Like we're going to have some labor issues in the NHL, which I'm glad we didn't because I got so pissed off about it. Uh, I didn't even want to think about the podcast for the three weeks because it's like, we really got to go and talk yeah. about more fucking labor issues with this league. But it was looking like maybe, uh, you know, we would get that NWHL season in before the NHL started um, if if things dragged out a little bit with the NHL. And now it looks like they're going to have to compete, which which kind of sucks for the, uh, the women's league. But, um, you know, I'm going to try to tune into some of this, especially uh, with the Toronto Six, uh, you know, kicking off their season. Uh, nothing so far, I don't think, on broadcast rights if anyone's picking it up or not well there's just so much content out there right now why why yeah who, who could possibly find the time to air some some high quality women's hockey i hope tsn picks it up i i can just i would i just so much prefer watching their coverage even but sportsnet like i don't want anyone to have to miss another you know rewind from 1986 or anything but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no kidding um so yeah that, that kicks off january 23rd 
and you know it's it's a it's a pretty short season uh, like i said it's just a round robin two weeks and it'll be done and i'm concerned because like my birthday is in that span and i could like have more than four drinks and i i'm gonna lose a whole day the next day and that's like a solid chunk of the season and i'll miss games but um yeah it's gonna be certainly something to keep an eye on and uh Probably have to look at someone getting someone on to uh, chat some NWHL soon before uh, that everything kicks off there, so we can get prepared. I might know somebody. You might all right. And also, by the time this is out, um, we should have some pretty cool stuff starting to go up on the Toronto Six at theleafsnation.com. So watch out for that. Cool. We'll keep an eye out for it. Um, nothing to really talk about on the Growlers this time around, but I did want to mention my jersey came in like the Leafs style, and. Uh, as I mentioned, it was like a limited edition thing and, uh, they made 115 of them and I got my Jersey. I was so excited and I pulled out the little certificate of, uh, authentication or whatever. And, uh, wouldn't you guess I got Jersey number 67, oh. <laughs> which, uh, Fucking hell. I, I, I can't see any way that that, uh, you know, it, I mean, it someone had to get like a, number 67, I guess, but uh, of course it had to be you. I'm glad it was you. Again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, I listen, I'll, I'll, I'll take it on. I'll, uh, I'll take all the curse on. This is the year. This is the year. That's, that's what this tells me. It's a, it's, it's a good sign, not an ominous, awful sign. That's how I choose to spin it. It's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> so, We're going to take a week off um, next week, enjoy the holidays, but uh, we'll be back at it um, probably before the end of the year or very early in the new year at the latest and uh, looking to obviously get ramped up for uh, a new season of hockey, getting excited, like getting really excited for this to get started. Yes, I'm starting to get really fired up. Yeah, it feels real now. Like like there's there's stuff happening. People are coming to Toronto. They're starting their quarantine, which is fucked to say. (laughs) gotta get your quarantine in before the season starts but it's become so normal it's like that's yeah exactly it's like okay yeah yeah it's scary but uh, and normally i'm a guy that like doesn't like oddities in my sports or like drastic change like we're going to see with whatever this season turns out to be you know a shortened season and all canadian division with you know maybe little mini series baseball style schedule in it I am so fucking fired up for all of it. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. cannot. Weirder the better. I cannot wait to to watch this season. Give me the weirdest NHL season we've ever seen for this one year. Hopefully, we start getting back to some form of normalcy. You know, the vaccine is finally starting to be rolled out. There might be a light at the end of the tunnel eventually. Here, maybe get this crazy season out of the way and get back to normal for next year but either way i can't wait for them to drop the puck this year and talking about the the baseball schedule too i i I know like we've talked about it and i've seen plenty of it that you know we're definitely our i won't speak for you guys but i'm definitely not a guy who needs to have like a goon on the team or whatever but i do enjoy seeing some some guys get mad at each other on the ice every once in a while like it's it's good theater along with the hockey game and 
I think with, you know, three games in a row against Montreal and three games in a row against Ottawa, like, or any of the teams, really, you're going, and now that they have a Wayne Simmons and a Bogosian and, you know, I think they're going to make guys around them a little meaner. Like, I, I don't know. I just think like we could actually see some animosity and might actually be another shot of kind of, you know, a bit of a difference in, in what the season's going to be like. Oh, yeah. It's going to be I definitely, awesome. I definitely see the... Uh, the kind of scrums it doesn't even have to be like full-on five-minute majors but there's just going to be more than we're used to seeing over the last however many years again we are going to hate josh anderson so fucking much but i'm gonna love watching wayne simmons punch him. Like, <laughs> yeah. i will enjoy that <laughs> yeah this is the first year in a long time that it feels like um this leaf season isn't just happening to me. Like it, this isn't just a thing that's happening to me that I am <laughs> dealing with. You know, I'm actually excited to be engaged with it for the first time in a long time. It's always just been like, ah, fuck, they better look good or I am going to be miserable. And now I'm just excited for hockey. I think, I, I don't know if that's yeah. a cause of everything that's happened in the last year or what, but um, I'm excited to get it going. Um, so we're going to take a little time, enjoy the holidays, make some big plans for this season and, uh, uh, excited to, uh, to talk to you again soon. Keith, um, we want to wrap up with, uh, some buddies of yours from New Brunswick. We, we haven't, uh, we haven't hit it in New Brunswick yet with our tunes yet, right? We've been pretty, pretty focused on Nova Scotia. So we, we got to sprinkle it around a little bit here. Um, tell us about Marion. Yeah, I got to get our New Brunswick representation in here. Um, Marion is the name of the band. They're friends of mine. Um, I've had a chance to play, you know, quite a few shows with them and previous iterations of their band. Um, they're based in Fredericton. Um, I'm from St. John, but I've, I've lived in Fredericton for the last five years. Um, so I've got to know the music scene here in, in Fredericton is pretty cool. It's all kind of centered at a one one uh, venue here called the cap and um these guys are fixtures there so um the the band is uh, dylan wards the lead singer and uh and guitar player uh tim everett on guitar jerry faye flat on bass and stefan westner on drums uh great band great people um i they you know if anybody's familiar with the new brunswick music scene they might have heard of a band called david in the dark which was around for a little while and it's Almost all of the same members of David in the Dark shifted. Um, you know, D- Dylan went from playing bass to being the primary songwriter and lead singer, and the uh, old lead singer of David in the Dark moved to the bass for a while, and, and then was replaced by Jerry Fay. But um, who in Jerry Fay? Also, we could feature one of her songs on here at some point. She's a great singer songwriter in her own right. Um, really cool band. They're kind of like a throwback. Um, you know, you, you can hear like Tom Petty, Springsteen kind of influences in there. Um, and what's really cool is Dylan actually, um, owns and operates a studio as well. So the, out, the song you're going to hear side street was recorded, mixed, all that fun, uh, technical stuff done right by Dylan himself. So cool songs called side street, shout out to Marion, check them out on all of the, uh, streaming services that you find music and uh, Bandcamp if you feel like paying for it. <laughs>
inside I busted on the die You gave me a chance I couldn't put aside my thing 